This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Power hour is upon us. The number is 844-SAY-ACCN. We continue to stream live on the ESPN app, and we've got a ton of guests, including our Wake Forest two-a-days. Connor O'Neill will join us coming up here in about a half an hour. But, Wes, we got a big one this afternoon. Notre Dame and Texas A&M out in Omaha. It is a loser-leave-town match. Irish win. They move on. they got to beat Oklahoma twice. If they lose, they're heading back home to South Bend after an amazing run to get to Omaha. This is where the pressure's always been on the ACC as a whole. It's on Notre Dame because they're the last man standing. But you got to win today. It's as simple as that. It is, uh, and the numbers are not kind to the teams that don't get to the 2-0 and spot. Danny Graves joins us from Omaha this morning. Uh, first of all, thanks for getting up early. Appreciate you doing this. Um, the idea that Notre Dame finds itself in this spot, and, and I want to equate it to kind of being 1-1 with Tennessee in the Super Regional, but this is a little bit bigger picture here, Danny. Link Jarrett's done such a good job you know, kind of keeping his team locked in. How big a challenge is this today, given the uh, given the finality of this for the loser? Well, I think you said it perfectly uh, right there, Wes, about how this uh, equates to game two of the Tennessee series. Tennessee, obviously the best team in the country and one of the best seasons of any college baseball team in, in history. And after Notre Dame got whooped that day, they came back and played even better in game three. Um, so to me, that's kind of the mentality that they're going to have or, or that they should have that, you know, we just got our butts kicked by Tennessee, whatever the score was a lot to a little. And, and, you know, this, mm. this game the other day against Oklahoma, it was only six to two as bad as they played. It was only six to two. And, and I say that because it seemed like it should have been 20 to two, but, um, you know, they're, they're just one of those teams that I don't think it's going to phase them. Like, that game is over with. You turn the page and you move on. And I, I feel like that's how Link Jarrett has handled this team ever since he's been here from day one. Danny, uh, this afternoon, obviously, first pitch, uh, Mother Nature cooperating, hopefully, at 2 Eastern. Um, but the thing that's made Notre Dame baseball so consistently good is the little things, right? They keep the ball in play. They're really good defensively. Their pitching's been outstanding. And really, all three of those things, they did not execute at all Sunday night. And you give Oklahoma all the credit. They were the better team that night. That's why they're 2-0. They're sitting on the couch hoping this game goes 20 innings today. It's also the reason I think Notre Dame does play better. I I, I don't think they give you two clunkers in a row. Now, does that mean they win the game? I don't know. It's why we keep score. But I think the quality of the way they play is what I expect to be better this afternoon. Uh, the clunkers. I love how you said that, Pac. That's great. Yeah, yeah. This team, this team will not play two terrible clunking back-to-back games. That's just it's not going to happen. And, and you know, they've been a team all year long. And and my my word for them is the fundies. They have the best fundamentals in all of baseball. And when they don't have them, it's tough for them to win. Now, granted, the other day when they had the bad fundies all game. They still had to face a pretty good pitcher. Kate Horton was filthy. He was uh, the nastiest I've ever seen him uh, as a college pitcher. And of course he's coming off Tommy John. Um, I think 16 or 17 months uh, post Tommy John, they said, but he was nasty. But even if they played a complete clean game, you know, Oklahoma didn't do anything wrong that day. And that's usually how Notre Dame plays when they don't do anything wrong. They come out on top. So, but 
with all that said, I, I really don't see them making mistakes again like this. Carter Putts, he's not going to throw one in the right field like that again. I've never seen him do that before. He just kind of rushed that play. But to, to me, this is a team that, you know, they're so old. They're so veteran type. They're not going to let this happen again. I'm sure they've washed this in that terrible play. They've washed that away already. Danny, what have you learned? I know the second year you guys have kind of been out. What have you learned at this environment about these teams? Because if you're 2-0, it's a different deal. I mean, let's be honest. Ole Miss and Oklahoma are out here on this uh, this part of the property that not many people get to visit, right? And now you've got four teams essentially trying to survive. The, the, they all play today, Auburn and uh, Arkansas later. For me, Notre Dame is the one that's built to kind of handle this moment maybe a little better because they're older, they've been there. Arkansas is a little sneaky. Auburn and, and Oklahoma are different stories here, or, or NAM rather are different stories. What's Link Jarrett's biggest advantage today in your mind? Well, so Notre Dame to me is a team that uh, when they have more time off, they're not as good as when they're continually playing day in and day out. You know what I'm saying? If that makes any sense, you never want to be in the loser's bracket, obviously you don't want to have to fight back, but for them to get to where they want to be, they are going to have to play today, win today. Then they play tomorrow. They're going to have to win tomorrow. Then they have to play the next day. So three games in a row, I think they're built for that because they would need to go out there and continue to play. They're not a team that's built for just sitting around. Let's play one game and sit around and let's play another game. You know, so I think if anybody's going to make a run, this is the team that can make a run. These other teams that are still uh, that are fighting for their lives right now, I don't think they have the experience. I, I watched that Arkansas game last night. Game one, they were okay. Last night, they they were terrible. They were they weren't good at all. They had some guys that can swing the bat a little bit, uh, but they couldn't pitch. Um, Texas A and M, who Notre Dame's playing today, they're feisty. But nothing stands out to me um, with that team. You know, if, if, if they play a perfect game, all right, they, it's going to be a good game. But Notre Dame still, to me, and I'm not just trying to be a homer right now, but Notre Dame on paper still, to me, is the best team in, that, that's left in this tournament. Unfortunately, they have one mm-hmm. loss already. Uh, you're only as good as your starting pitching. And with that said, what do you think uh, Link does as far as his starter for today's pivotal game? So, so I believe that Liam Simon might get the call. He, you know, he's got a power arm. He's got a, the ability to go out and strike out a ton of guys. The the only issue with him is if he's not around the plate, it could be a long day, uh, or actually it could be a short day. Link might have the quick hook. But the good thing with Notre Dame is they do have a lot of guys in the bullpen, a lot of arms in the bullpen. I know there was talk about, is Jack Finley going to get an opportunity? I, I think that would be – ideal when you say you're in a winner go home game but i'd rather have jack finley available for three games in a row and i know you can't look ahead like that but he's more valuable to in my opinion um for them to you know save him for every single day coming up and not just go five or six innings today yeah it feels like the rubber arm is rayo right it feels like rayo's the guy who could go in sequencing three straight days if you had to have him right yeah, Rayo's that guy too. Like Rayo can pitch every day, all day, and and I know he's got the mentality to give me the ball and I'll go as long as you want me to go. Uh, also, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is even an option, but you know when they took Austin Temple out the other day, 
I know he didn't look great, but he only threw 32 pitches, so he's I'm sure he's available. You know, in, in a winner go home game, it's all hands on deck. So I, I, I'm confident that they have enough arms. It's just how is Link going to piece it together? All right. So Notre Dame. Right, let me let me follow up real quick, uh, sure. Pack. I'm sorry. Let me that's let right. me follow up here real quick on a pitching thought, Danny. And you got to help me with this because you're the one that's done it. And we just talked. Um, <laughs> here here's the thought. If if I'm Link Jarrett today, I am Simon and then Finley, Rayo, Austin Temple. Okay, those are the four guys. Because I know if I can win today and win Wednesday, I get Bertrand on full rest Thursday. That's the that's the yeah. way I've almost got to think about it, right? Well, well, sure. Yeah, I, I think that's the ideal world. That uh, I think you know when Link says who's going to go, that those guys that you mentioned. And then Bertrand on that third day to go complete game. I think that's uh, in a perfect world. That's how that he would like it. But of course, we know how this silly game goes, right? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. one of those yeah. guys could pitch one inning. You know, you start Liam Simon. He could go one inning, or he could go seven innings. I remember a couple starts ago, he went five innings against Virginia and punched out eight guys and looked lights out. And then game three against Tennessee, he was kind of a little little shaky. You know, so. Um, I think in an ideal world, you save Finley for the last two innings of every single game, these three games, you know? Bunch of scenarios. Danny, the uh, Irish have made the rally banana a thing. So I, I don't know what the produce department, <laughs> the uh, local market looks like in Omaha, whether the Chiquitas have been stocked up at Link's uh, bullpen <laughs> or whatever the case may be. But um with that said, I, you know, you baseball guys always have superstitions. I, I don't know of a baseball guy that doesn't have at least one. So I want you to go back in your memory bank of your favorite, again, your favorite version of the rally banana. That you at least, whether it be an individual standpoint, a team standpoint, maybe you heard about another team doing something, but, but, but give me your best one. It is pretty silly, the, the nonsense that we go through, right? And I like to say that I'm not superstitious. <laughs> But um, just in game two, I wore the same black ACC polo uh, for the show, thinking that, well, since Notre Dame won game one and I wore the black polo, they're going to win game two. That's how ridiculous it is. Um, so, And obviously that didn't work, so I'm not wearing a black polo tonight. Um, so here's the thing. There's so many different nonsense that, that baseball players do. Uh, I don't know. The, the rally monkey that the Angels had oh. way back in the day was at – the, hated the that. World Series. Yes, against the Giants. It. Against the Giants. Yes, I hate the monkey. Hate the monkey. I didn't mean to bring that up, Pac. That was that was just happened to be the first thing that popped in my mind. I hated it too. And I had no horse in the race, but I hated the rally monkey too. Hate the um, rally monkey. But I don't know. I, I will tell you this though. Uh we didn't know about the banana, the rally banana, until after game one was over. Like, how did we not hear about this? Nobody told us about it. We, we ended up seeing it somewhere. Well, the ESPN compound, you know, our, our food tent, we've been stocking up bananas for this occasion. So if they need bananas, we have plenty for them. Well, you know, potassium is always important when you get to Omaha, right? Potassium content is very critical for uh, Omaha success. Yeah. Yes, because it is only 105 degrees. Right. I, right. I, I watched the I watched the game from my hotel yesterday. Have you guys seen my my view? Like, no, I, I no. Put it on social media. My view. Can I show you right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, okay, yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, just turn the camera around. Yeah, yeah, just turn the camera. All right, around. Here we go. Let's... 
That's my view. Wow. Wow. Man. Wow. Yeah. How about that? That's big. Time. Terrible view. Wow. Right? Yeah. Huh. So at, at How night. How about that? At night. Yeah, man. At night, it is absolutely beautiful. Uh, especially, you know, when the sun's going down, the, the skies and the lights are up. Oh, man, it's amazing. Hey, we had uh, Rooney on the other day, and he's already put, uh, I think, a couple trips to the Drover. How many whiskey steaks we put away on this road trip yet? How many we got? I, I Man, I knew this question was coming, and you're going to be so mad. Don't um, say zero. I was supposed to go last. Still a lot of, a lot of days left. A lot of days left. <laughs> yeah. Last night, we were, I was supposed to go, um, but I ended up, I was too tired. It was the first night off, you know, first night of not doing anything. So I had to stay home and, and rest. Wait a minute. Hold on. I a can't second. hang with these young guys. Wait, wait a minute. Wait. I can't hang you, with the young pups. So, so Aaron Katzman's out there spending a fortune for ESPN's budget. Yeah. He's got the ESPN black yeah. card out, and you don't even take advantage of it? You don't even go? No. No, he, Katzman's gone. He didn't invite me. If he was here and it was on the on the company card, I was gone. I would have gone for sure. But oh, he's right. not here. Right. Well, yeah, I think I think the reason yeah, he, he oh, the, I think the reason he went back is because uh, they maximized the budget after only two days, and they're like, "Hey, all right, enough of that. Yeah, you got to come it. back. Yeah. You got to come back." You know, forget yeah. that. That's funny you say that because we actually we went and did a couple things a few days ago. We went to a different uh, restaurant to have some steak, not the Drover, because we couldn't get in. It was too late. But, yeah, maybe the company card did get maxed out. I don't know. Well, have fun. Listen, uh, we need a W this afternoon. We really do. I'm rooting for the Irish yeah, to thanks, take care of business. Yeah, we do. Definitely do. Thanks, guys. All right. Danny Graves live from Omaha. Don't forget our coverage of the College World Series continues postgame right here on ACC Network. So when Notre Dame and Texas A&M finish this afternoon, you flip it right to ACC Network. And you will get post-game coverage with Kelsey Riggs, Danny Graves, of course, and uh, Mike Rooney will be alongside as well. They'll react to the game. You'll hear from players and coaches and more analysis and thoughts on the game right here on ACC Network. It follows Texas A&M and Notre Dame uh, post-game coverage tonight, uh, 11 o'clock from Omaha. We will do that. So there you go. Wes, I have a we'll question We'll flip right back to ACC Network, and then we'll play it again at 11 o'clock. Yes, I sir. have a question, and only it's really exclusively for you. First pitch, okay. 2 o'clock. All right, knock on wood. Mother Nature cooperates. You can mm-hmm. always count on an afternoon thunder boomer in Omaha this time of year. It happens. Right. But assuming the yep. first pitch is at 2 o'clock, we come on here at 2 o'clock for the game. Mm-hmm. When do you think ACC Network starts their post-game show? Give me a give me a time. A&M Notre Dame finishes at what time and when on ACC Network do our experts appear? Just give me a time. 11 p.m. 11 p.m. <laughs> so we're not we're not breaking into programming right after the game. 11 p.m. is what 11 p.m. is what the sign said. Okay. 11 p.m. So so if Notre Dame wins this afternoon, we're not going live like at 5:46. No, we're going at 11 o'clock. All right. So what time? By the way. All right. So let me rephrase the question. When do you think the last out is made, time-wise, of Notre Dame and A&M? 2 p.m. First pitch. 5:30. 5:30. 5:30. Now your picks last week were so spectacular. The U.S. Open. 
I'm writing this down, and I will be checking this out. 5.30 West Durham. I'm writing this down in ink. There you go. West Durham. All right, when we come back, uh, more of your thoughts on games that you think your team let slip away. Much like things we do sometimes on this show. We'll do this next. Packer and Durham on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Tuesday. Connor O'Neill coming up, bottom of the hour. Talk a little Wake Forest football. The defending champs of the Atlantic Division. Gator Bowl champs from a year ago. 11 win season, all that good stuff. We'll see what's going on with the Deeks in Mm -hmm. 22. All right, 844-SAY-ACCN. The game that you still can't believe your team let slip away. Greg in North Carolina. Good morning. Welcome to Packer and Durham. Good morning, guys. How are y'all today? I hope good. Outstanding. Yes, sir. Good. Uh, I'm going to take you uh, back in the Wayback Machine, 1979, Carter Stadium. I don't believe it had been named Carter Finley by then. Uh, Had Penn State backed up. I mean, backed up. Oh, my God. Fourth and 27. Place was jumping. We were going to beat Penn State for the third time, and Penn State throws it down the left sideline for a first down. Yeah, on walk, Matt Barr. I believe it was it was one of them Barr boys, and uh, he <laughs> doinks one off of the goalpost for a fifty-one or yeah. fifty-three yard field goal. And I was crushed. I was totally crushed. You know, it's funny you bring that up, Greg, because I was a big NC State fan growing up as a kid. I remember listening to that game on the radio and could not believe it. But I also remember those days of a Lou Holtz NC State team going up to Happy Valley on a quick kick that went about 75, 80 yards, and NC State pulled off. And those NC State-Penn State games back then, uh, they throw Bill Cower in there and all that cool stuff. They they had some remarkable football games, but that was one that you're right. That NC State felt like that was going to be a great W, and it just slipped away at the end. But they had great games, man. Yeah. Oh my God, Matt Suey was on that Penn State team. Scott Smith was the uh, I think the NC State quarterback here, if I'm reading this correctly. Uh yeah. Oh goodness. Dale Tate was Penn State's quarterback. Dale and he's Tate. right. One of the bar boys kicked the field goal. Yikes. All right. Yeah. Uh let's get to some of the social media. Uh you, folks have had time to chime in on this and we've seen some good ones. Uh Robert Lewis, a Maryland fan. I always to hear Maryland fans. For Maryland fans, the loss to NC State in two thousand eleven after leading forty one to fourteen with six minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah. Yep. Remember that one. Uh, let's see. Lennon is next. Hold Wake on a second. Carolina wait, football. Wait, 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 Wes, Wes. Wait. For, for that guy to be a Maryland fan and write that one in, but did not did not write in, hey, we're up 10 with a minute to go at Cole Fieldhouse. How does that happen? I'm, I'm not sure Robert's a Maryland fan because his Twitter tag is at NC State Golfer. Yeah, okay. So there you go. Oh, okay. Uh, Lennon, 
Lennon says, Wake Carolina football 2020, we blow an almost 20-point lead late in the game. I'd say the game against Carolina in 2021, but I knew we'd lose when we were up 18 in the third quarter. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, Carolina and uh, Wake have had some shootouts here. Ooh. They've been crazy. They've been like arena football on grass is yeah. what they've been. First to 45 wins. Yeah. Uh, Sam, 2013 Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, Duke and Texas A&M, all the hype on A&M and Manziel. Experts weren't giving Duke a shot. We came out, punched them in the mouth, led 38-17, only to be outscored 35-10 in the second half and lost 52-48. That was a great game. Yeah. That was a great That was a great game. That was the one where Manziel got lifted up off the ground, somehow kept his feet and got a first down or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. 100% right. Uh, Oh, Sam, who is L.A. Dodgers all day, by the way, on Twitter, Pac, you want to follow him. No, uh, Sam, if you remember, Sam Sam is the guy that won the the uh, L.A. hat. Yes. He's a good man. He's a terrible taste in baseball, but he's a good man. (laughs) All right. Uh, Marshmont. Boston College, Clemson, 2014. Tyler Rouse of BC dropped a pass with about a minute left that likely would have been a touchdown. Mike Knoll missed a PAT early in the game. And they didn't allow BC to kick a field goal at the end of the game to tie it up. Doggone refs. How about that? Yep. Always the refs. Uh, (laughs) There you are, says... 2022 Carolina Kansas still hurts and always will. I understand that. I understand. Yep. I get it. Tell you what, though, you know what? uh, The objects to win it all, right? When you're North Carolina basketball, Kansas, Duke, I mean, when you're one of the blue bloods, and they are, uh, the objects to win it all. But that that Duke, North Carolina thing on Saturday down in Nolens. Uh, really kind of said, I mean, if you're going to have the field, you know, the, the fallback, you had the ultimate fallback. Right. But I know, man, you're up 16. Let's go close that thing out and win it. Heels, don't worry about it, man. North Carolina's yeah. got North Carolina basketball 22 23. They're going to be all right. Heels are going to be yep. just fine. Thank uh, you. Before we get to Connor O'Neill, comma, Elon grad, uh, let's go to Jeff in Chapel Hill. Jeff. Welcome to Packer and Durham. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Go right yes, ahead. sir. Hello. Good morning. Oh, hey. Uh, I'm going to take you guys in the way, way back machine, going back to 1975. Uh, a little quick background. I was the youngest of four boys. My mom grew up in Indiana, always wanted one of her kids to go to Notre Dame, and I went through high school with her telling me I was her last hope. So, 75 Notre Dame comes rolling into Chapel Hill. Um, we got Bill Dooley, the old trench fighter, defensive playing great. Knocked out the starting quarterback, knocked out the backup quarterback. Carolina's up 14 zip into the third quarter. In comes some third stringer from Western Pennsylvania, some Montana guy. Montana. Ends up yeah. burning the same cornerback on the out and up three times in a row. Notre Dame wins 21-14. A legend is born. Hearts are broken. That's mm. a good one. That's, That's a really good one. And you know what? That Montana yep. guy turned out to be pretty, pretty good in that situation, didn't he? He had a pretty good career figuring out a way yep. to 
absolutely rip your heart out. He was spectacular. Now, that's a good. That's a nine-year-old West Durham was crushed. Nine-year-old West Durham was crushed. Did you go to that game? Yes. Yes. Not good. Man. Not good at all. How was Dad after the game? Mike he- Voigt. Mike Voigt was terrific. Carolina was really good that day. And did flipping did, Notre Dame. Did uh, dear old dad even say a word driving home? Was he was he smoking hot no. after that one? He was hot, wasn't he? Yeah, he was not not have, going to do Coach Dooley's television show. Well, Woody, congratulations to Dan Devine and the University of Notre Dame on an outstanding college football game. Oh. There you go. Yeah, the old trench fighter. All right, when we come back, Connor O'Neill, Elon grad, Deacons Illustrated, two a days with the Deacons. We'll talk to Connor next. Sam Hartman back for his 13th year as the quarterback at Winston-Salem. Pack. We'll get to it next on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham on Here's a Tuesday. And More guests Durham. to come. That includes our next one to talk about the ACC Atlantic Division Defenders. 11-win season, won mm. the Gator Bowl. Won, they, they, everything worked except one thing. Didn't quite get the job done yeah. against Pittsburgh in Charlotte. But, man, what a run for Dave Clawson's guys. And they're going to be good again, Wes. Yep. And uh, Connor O'Neill from Deacons Illustrated, who covers the ACC and focuses on Wake Forest, joins us this morning. Good to see you. Uh, thanks for the time. If, if I were to tell you, Connor, I think Wake Forest can win the Atlantic again. Am I crazy? Well, I don't, I don't know if you want me to answer that honestly, but uh, in that regard, you're not crazy. Uh, that can happen. I, I think – I don't know if I would say likely. Uh, I would say they have a really good chance. Um, I'd certainly say that, you know, going into last year, I, I did not think that that was realistic. And this year I do think it's realistic. Uh, if that tells you the journey that they're on. And, you know, that's the crazy thing is last year it became kind of a narrative that they had all these old guys that it was just their last shots. They return a, a ton of pieces. Like they've got 10 offensive starters back. They've they've got a, a loaded uh, returning core that that is going to be right there in the mix again at the top of the Atlantic. But Connor, mm-hmm. you know everybody's going to concentrate on Sam Harton's back. You got all these weapons, offensive line, yada yada yada, and that's all true. But for for Wake, in my opinion, it's got to start defensively to be better. You just can't roll the ball out every day and go. Guess what? We have to win today by scoring. 50 or 45. Man, five different times last year, Wake's defense gave up more than 42 points. And that's got to get better. So I'm kind of curious to see what Brad Lambert has up his sleeve for this team in 22, because he is the new addition on the staff on the defensive side. Yeah, I know that, I mean, there's so much coordinator turnover in the ACC that it this might be hard to quantify, but I would say there's as much pressure as Brad Lambert as a first-year coordinator as there is on on anybody in the league, really. Um, mm. It's a defense that, yeah, the, the, the overall numbers look terrible from last year, but they weren't as bad in some of those games. It was just the games that went wrong went really, really wrong, like Carolina, uh, 
Pitt, Clemson. Uh, it just you've you've got to avoid those pitfalls. Uh, giving up fifty six points to Army and you had to score seventy to win. And that's a team that you know. <laughs> They run the triple option. How do you give up 56 points to that team? <laughs> but I, yeah, it, it needs to be better. I think it can be better. Um, and I think Brad Lambert is – he has some pieces to do it with this year. Yeah, I, that's the part I wanted to get to because in, in doing the spring game, Connor – I think you saw a little bit of Lambert's influence. I think James Adams and Glenn Spencer coming with him to this staff have also been important additions. Um, And then think about when they're hold defensively. And that really kind of becomes the key here because, I mean, you look at their chart, and if they get everybody healthy and back, like I know Ja'Cory Johns didn't go through the spring. Ryan Smithen didn't have to play a lot in the spring. I mean, I'm looking at Chalen Garns. I'm – seeing these guys that have been there. Evan Slocum didn't play in the spring. I mean, they've got guys. If they're healthy in the fall, they're going to be better just by experience alone, wouldn't you think? Yeah, it's. it always seems to come down to depth defensively for Wake. Uh, and it's weird because offensively, you, you never really think about depth. They always have their key guys uh, pretty much stay healthy. But, but on defense, they always run thin at one position – um, one year it was safety, one year it was linebacker, you know, all, all the way back like four years ago, Luke Masterson was a safety and then mm-hmm. started a game at linebacker at Florida State. Um, they really, it's the depth piece uh, that gets developed right now. And that's, yeah, that gets developed, you know, three months ago in spring ball. And the the thing about the depth piece is you don't really know if you have it until you need it, like you, you don't know if those guys can step in and fill holes uh, in in mid October when you're playing your third ACC game, and all of a sudden you're down two starters until they get in there and get thrown into the fire. So that's the question that'll have to be answered. And you know, if you look at the schedule, they've they've got Clemson early. They've got Clemson in September. So uh maybe it's good maybe they maybe they won't have those depth questions on defense uh by the time the tigers come to town kind of for years uh wake forest football used to be when when they would have success would be oh that's a great story and not a cute story well, nice good for wake forest dave clawson has really built a heck of a program because he's doing it mm-hmm. with terrific student athletes. I've said this from day one. He, he gets it. He, you know, he's been true to the core of what the school's about the enrollment. He, he understands the big picture and to have the consistent success that Dave Clawson has had as Wake Forest image. Do you think now changed a bit where, Hey, for Wake Forest to win seven or eight, much less 11, like last year, and always in a bowl game, always winning bowl games, competing top 25 mentions, the top 10 last year. I mean, have we now gotten over the hump of the Wake Forest perception of, hey, this isn't Vanderbilt, who's some doormat who's getting their doors blown off that once every four, you know eight or nine years they have a winning season. Wake has now become a pretty doggone good football school. Yeah, so that's and, – and that's one of the things – that's one of the areas that I think there's some disconnect where – Internally in Wake's program, yes, they believe that it should be a 10 or 11 win season. 
you know, Sam Hartman last year at Media Day said we would all be disappointed if we didn't win 10 games. And they go out and win 11 and, and everybody acts like it's a surprise. I think they're fighting the perception, though, that, that it was just one fluke year. Uh, it was, you know, Clemson's quote unquote down year with 10 wins. Um, Wake Forest got NC State at home. So they won that game in a big Saturday night game. Uh, so I think Wake is still going to fight a little bit of the, the outside perception. But inside the program, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is a program that mm. if they win six games and, and go to the Detroit Bowl or the or I, I think the um, I think the one down in Alabama, uh, Shreveport is is no longer on the ACC docket. But yeah, if if they go to a bowl like that, this is going to be a massively disappointing year. Connor, uh, schedule is always a topic. You mentioned Clemson. Uh, the scenario that plays out for Wake Forest also good. We'll look at that in just a second. I wanna I wanna touch on one thing. Uh, Donovan Green is back and should be healthy. And here's the schedule. VMI at Vanderbilt and Liberty before Clemson on the 24th. Army and Winston-Salem. And then you see the back end. Carolina's a conference game this year, I think, Pac. Uh, is that right, Connor? Carolina this year conference game? Is that right? Fine. And I thank, thank the ACC, thank whoever I need to thank for not having to explain over and over again that that's a non-conference game. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to go back to Donovan Green returning to health, Keyshawn Williams and A.T. Perry. It feels like Wake has got a bag of riches at wide receiver, and then we saw Horatio Fields in the spring. Um, It just feels like they can move it on just about anybody at this point. Yeah, that that offense – uh, it's a well-oiled machine. Like Warren Ruggiero has has built a monster. Um, you know that it, it. Donovan Green has played. Uh, I've got it written down. He's played twelve games in his career. He's got forty-two catches for eight hundred thirty-one yards and four touchdowns. I, At Perry had the season that I thought Donovan would have had last year had he not torn his ACL in the summer. Uh, so now you're you're looking at you know it's probably unrealistic for you to think that you're going to have two receivers with 1300 yards and 15 touchdowns each. But if both of them can go, you know, a thousand yards, 12 touchdowns each, and then you've got, you know, you're not even mentioning Taylor Marin uh, and Keyshawn Williams. You've, you've just got such a stacked receiver room that, you know, Sam Hartman can spread the ball around. Uh, He's got options and, and that's, that's a scary thought. You know, we have now, this is the 14th uh, two-a-day that we've done. <laughs> it's going to be the first time, I think, uh, either one of us has asked a question about place kickers. Um, Wake loses Nick mm. Skiba, and Nick Skiba was automatic, and Fortina scored a gazillion points, and the Deeks did. And they've got everybody back, and you expect them to score a ton of points this year, and they will. There's always close games, and Nick Skiba was mm-hmm. automatic. And I think a lot of times when we get into next month at Media Day, and this is true whether we're talking about the ACC, SEC, Pac-12, anybody else, nobody ever talks about kickers, <laughs> and there's a reason for that. But I, I think you can't dismiss the fact that Wake loses Nick Skiba. I'm just saying. I, I've got it written down here in all caps on, on my notes 
uh, replacing Skiba. It's it's not just some thing that we'll joke about. It, you know, he's the most accurate kicker in NCAA history. Uh, he made ninety percent of his kicks. He never missed a PAT. Uh, there there is going to come a time or two this year where Wake Forest really laments not having Nick Skiba and not having that automatic three points in the bank every time they get inside the, you know, 28, 25-yard line. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be Matthew Dennis or Zach Murphy. Zach Murphy uh, is a walk-on. He's a really good story. Uh, he's been with the program for a, for a long time. I think this is his sixth year coming in. And Matthew Dennis is uh, is a Charlotte guy um, who actually, I think, has the same kicking coach that Skiba had, Dan Orner. And, you know, it's it's you know, it's an offense that's probably going to score a lot more touchdowns than they're getting field goal opportunities. But when they do have field goal opportunities, they're going to need to capitalize and they're going to need to have, you know, you're not asking somebody to come in and make 90 percent of their kicks, but you're asking somebody to come in and and fill some big shoes, uh, pun intended, I guess, for the kicker side of things. And that's a big ask. All right, but Connor, here's the thing. I and I purposefully went to Wayne Lindenberg before Roddy and I did the spring game in Winston Salem to ask this question. They really like Matt. Now they're comfortable with Zach Murphy, as you said, but they really like Matthew Dennis. I mean, he showed them by early enrolling in January that that he can push the envelope to fifty yards and and they feel like it's sure there may be an adjustment period or an acclimation or whatever you want to call it once the games start going. But they really like his potential. I mean, his long-term potential, Wayne Lindenberg said they, they're pretty comfortable with, it feels like. Yeah, and and they should be. Um, you know, I go to uh, – I remember watching Skiba in the spring when he first got there in, in 2018. Uh, if you told me that four years later he would be the most accurate kicker in NCAA history, I would have laughed in your face. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's all about getting reps, and, and that's the process that Matthew Dennis is in right now. Uh, it's worth remembering that Nick Skiba missed the first kick of his career. Like For kickers, you're always, you're always going to be confident in a kicker until they get knocked down, I think. And you know, Nick Skiba took some, took some early lumps. Uh, that first kick at Tulane was a miss from about 22 yards. And then he had the Notre Dame uh, viral moment where Don Maggio's looking around with his palms to the sky, wondering where his kicker is. So I, I think they like Matthew Dennis. I think Matthew Dennis can can be a really good kicker. It's just as a kicker, you're going to miss one, and then it's it's all about what you do on the next one and the ones that follow. Hmm. All right, Pack, Sam Hartman. Back for his 13th year? I'm not worried about Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman's going to be just fine. Uh, like I said, the, the areas of concern for the Wake Forest for me are going to be on the defensive side. They must get better. And it's hard to say they must after you come off an 11-win season. But Wake's standard has mm. changed drastically versus where it was before Clawson got to town. Ooh. And, and, you know, if you're going to be right. one of those kind of teams, you can't just say, hey, listen, we're going to play old A defense and we're just going to plan on scoring 50 because there's going to be days like, you know, going to Death Valley last year. Guess what? There are going to be teams that you play that go, no, you're not going to get 50 today. You're only going to get 20. Now what are you going to do about it? So for Wake to get yep. to that ultimate level and stay there, they've got to get better defensively. So to me, the whole Brad Lambert defense, Skiba, to me those would be the concerns. I think offensively, 
Wake and Hartman and company are going to be awesome. They're going to be dynamic, and they are going to score a bunch. They'll be fun to watch. Yep. All it's, right. Connor O'Neill, Deacons Illustrated. I Good to see you, it. my man. Thanks. Appreciate it. You bet. Uh, stay tuned. Final closing moments here on Packer and Durham. Uh, man, we've had a good show today. Really good show. Appreciate good everybody's show contribution. Day. We have a good show every well, day. You're right, but 651. 651 turned into – that's a good one. We'll take a break, come back, final words, get you ready for a 2 o'clock first pitch. Notre Dame and Texas A&M plus Florida State has announced their next – Radio Voice, following the legendary Gene Deckerhoff. More on that in a moment. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. 15 seconds, high formation now. Here's the snap. Winston rolling right, throws the pass on the other. It's caught! It's caught! It's caught! Touchdown official, Calvin Benjamin. Knowles retake the lead with 13 seconds remaining. Knowles retake the lead with 13 seconds remaining. Hmm. What a game that was, too. Holy mackerel. Awesome. Rose oh, my God. National championship. The final yeah. BCS national championship game. ACC yep. puts the SEC and says it just means more when you have more points. What a game that was. <laughs> Great game. Uh, what a note yesterday. The 10.05 yesterday got us again, Pac. Sure did. 10.05 yesterday, uh, Florida State, right after we went off the air, our congratulations this morning to uh, Jeff Culhane, who for the last uh, six seasons has been the voice of the Bison at North Dakota State University. He is the new voice at Florida State for football and basketball to succeed the great Gene Deckerhoff. And Jeff has uh, worked in uh, Nebraska with the Cornhuskers and in West Virginia with our buddy Tony Caridi on the Mountaineer Sports Network. And now, after six years in Fargo, is the new voice of the Florida State Seminoles. Hopefully, in the next couple of days, Jeff will join us. We're looking forward to that, too. Hopefully By the way, uh, since so. you're involved with all this stuff, is he a uh, North Dakota Hall of Famer? Do you know? <laughs> no. No, he's only been there six years. He's actually, you want to know the truth, that, Jeff is from Mitchell, make? South Dakota. He's, a, he's, uh, he's from Mitchell, South Dakota. So, I mean, do you have to work at a certain market in a certain state for X amount of years before you can get nominated? How's that working at the world that you live in? Oh, you mean for Sportscaster of the Year in yes. North Dakota? I'm sure yes. he's been nominated. I don't know that he's – you asked me, is he a Hall of Famer? Whatever. No, he's not a National Sports Media Hall of Famer. I've never been anything like. in anywhere. So, I mean, that's why I don't know. I don't know the rules you guys make up there in Salisbury well, you, or Winston-Salem or whatever you do, that whole clandestine group that you're in the president of. Great. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. By the way. Yeah, there it is right there. Right here. That's it. Yeah, right, right there is a helmet. Just show it up for me. Right there. National SMA. National thanks for, Sports Media for, Association. Association. Yeah, that's it. You got it. Awards weekend next weekend in Winston-Salem. Thank that's you for your promotion. and con- Yeah. Um, but Jeff takes over for the great Gene Deckerhoff, comes in from North Dakota State, and uh, congratulations to – all the folks at Learfield Sports and also uh, Michael Alford and the folks at Florida State who collectively made the hire. By so. the way, speaking of Florida State, breaking news today, Brooks Kepka is leaving to join the LIV Tour. How about that news? 
Uh, Just saying. Mark Schleyball, Mark Schleyball citing sources this morning on ESPN.com. My man Schleyball with the breaking news about uh, Brooks Kepka potentially going live. We'll see. See how that works. Um, by the way, uh, finishing up our play-by-play carousel, Joe Z hit us with the picture yesterday, <laughs> told us he was going to do the two-a-day and then go paddle boarding. There we go. There's the paddle board, the whole nine yards. Look at that. You know what? Maybe you that know, ought to be part of the wellness plan pack. You know what? You know you're a star when you can walk around with those sunglasses, an orange shirt, and that hat. That's when you know you're a star. That's all I'm going to tell you. Yep. There you go. Uh, great to have Alonzo Highsmith on the show today. He was Excellent. terrific. Look forward to more visits with Highsmith. Uh, Megan Jebbia, the new women's basketball coach at Wake Forest. Too. Paul Zeiss and Connor O'Neill gave us our two-a-days. And Danny Graves got some rest in Omaha because Katzman left town. We'll see you tomorrow morning, <laughs> 7 a.m. Baseball at 2 on ESPN postgame tonight. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.